everyone. Welcome to Pockets Full of Soup, the storytelling show. I'm your host, Jared Petty. I'm joined today by the delightful, the bearded, the physically different looking uh, <laughs> than last time we saw him, Jonathan Dornbush. Hey, how's it going, Jared? Uh, it's good, Jonathan. You have you have altered your appearance. You kind of got the, you got some volume. The swoop? Yeah, I realized, on. hey, if you use a blow dryer, your hair can look way better. Are you so, th- okay? Yeah. So right. I bought a blow dryer oh, and wow. just use that every morning and that made a difference. I like it. I don't know if other people do, but... I don't know. It's fun. I think it's a good look for you. Thank and you. and of course, a, a, a noble growth of facial hair. Trying. Uh, yeah. Last time I was on the show, completely clean shaven. Uh, and then I let it grow for a little bit. Had to shave again uh, because I did an Austin Powers costume for oh, Halloween I last year. I remember that. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And I was like, Austin doesn't have a beard, so I had to shave. And then since then, I've let it kind of linger at this level. I think it's a good level to linger at. Thank you. Yeah, I'm trying. I, I think too, if it goes too much further, it gets... A little too scruffy for me. Yeah. Uh, but this works. If you could yeah. grow like a Civil War general beard, would you? Ooh, uh, maybe when I'm a little older. Yeah. Um, I feel like it might look displaced on me. Okay. Uh, but when I'm older, I would go for like a good Dumbledore. Oh, I like. love that. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I feel like I could pull that off. Jude Law Lookout. Oh, yeah. Young okay. Dumbledore with a very old beard. I, I yeah. like this thought. This yeah. is a good, this is definitely yeah. a good thought. To you. What do you think of the Jude Law casting? I'm open to it. Yeah. Uh, but I... I have no preconceptions about what young Dumbledore should be. Mm-hmm. I'm leaving that open to the canon that J.K. Rowling wants to create. Okay. Um, I'm less enthused about Fantastic Beasts as a, as a whole as a franchise. Ah, that's that, a place you and I kind of agree, actually. Yeah. Oh. So my thing with the first movie is, and here I am to talk about you, J.K. Rowling. Uh, no, my thing <laughs> about the first movie is that I think it's a very unsure of what it wants to be movie because mm-hmm. it is at times a fun happy-go-lucky wacky adventure and then at other times it is oh wait here's the most important part of the ethos of what harry potter is we're going to tell you all about that too and it doesn't know which to be i feel like that that identity crisis exists in that film very much yeah. and i i feel like it's a victim of of over up syndrome yes uh, i feel like it's most consequential plot points are literally obliterated from the mind yep. um, uh, and most of the best character development just sort of vanishes into thin air. Yeah. Uh, and, and to me, Newt has no character development. Really. Oh, wow. Oh, where people are going to oh, be yeah. so mad. No, at us? So I like, I like his performance, but the thing is Newt doesn't necessarily grow as a character from the beginning to end of that movie. He's just sort of, he hasn't learned anything that makes him that much different to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think across five movies he can, but. Yeah, I, I feel, <laughs> um, I, I don't like making apologies for movies I don't enjoy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd rather just say that's that's not a good movie and it doesn't make me optimistic. But to be honest, I think Fantastic Beasts has real potential. Um, Same, yeah. I, I think the second movie has a lot of reason to be better than the first. Yes. Uh, and I hope it is. Yeah, me too. I really do. Yeah. What's your favorite Harry Potter movie? Ooh, that's, so I did a rewatch and a reread at the end of the last year mm-hmm. uh, of the entire series. Uh, three used to always be my favorite. Uh, I've taken a soft spot to six, though. Oh. Um, I really like, just because, and rereading the book, six jumped up so much further for me mm-hmm. in my rankings because it's kind of like the wacky teen comedy one. <laughs> so the funny thing is, it has sort of the same thing where it has wacky teen like romance and stuff like that, but it also has the deep... Voldemort mythology to it. Yeah. And yet I don't find that dissonance problematic in that book. Like, I feel like it balances better there. So dark and brooding, but also teen angsty. Would yeah. you call it the yeah. Twilight of the Harry Potter series? 
I would not disgrace yeah. it like no, that. Not, I've read Twilight Not, too, not describe so, it as such? No. So. <laughs> You've read Twilight as well? I read the first two. Okay. Yeah. Just out of curiosity. I had to know. I had to know why people loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I read Twilight for the same reason, and it did not draw me in. Yeah, same. Um, Movie-wise, I think six, uh, six probably also my favorite. I really enjoy six, and that was also a result of a revisit. I used to think four was my favorite. I liked four a lot. Um, yeah, I feel like it doesn't get enough credit yeah. because it comes after Quaron's Prisoner of Azkaban, which everyone loves. Well, that's a marvelous movie, rightly so. Yeah, if, to me, it is the best movie of them. Mm-hmm. It is more than a Harry Potter movie; it is a film. But the thing about four is that it also has a beautiful color palette and really captures, to me the magical essence of that world yeah. in really fun ways that Quran gets a lot of credit and he established that. But I think the fourth film also takes that and really works well with it. Uh, I, I agree with you there. I also like uh, as a novel and uh, this is going to be odd. I like two. I like chamber of secrets because okay. it's a taught self-contained story. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it's very, it's when she still had an editor. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, and not, not to besmirch her later work, I enjoy verbose fiction, but I do feel like that particular story is is well treated by that. I like the the haunting elements. I like the first real. It, it's the first time we see the loop of legacies. We've always known Harry's parents are out there in the beginning, but now we see the 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 presence of Ultimort in that past. Yes. it really feels like the beginning of Harry Potter mythology. Yes, uh, yeah. and and I like that about it a lot. Well, and yeah, that's why I really, I, as growing up as they were coming out, I loved four because mm-hmm. of the level that it took the series to yeah. with that mythology, and I can still remember reading by the light of the Streetland lamp outside my window the graveyard scene because even though my mom was fully fine of my love of reading but she made me shut the light off because it was like 2 a.m and i was like i think i was gasping in bed at things that were happening as a child and she was like turn that off and i was like fine and then i'm reading it like oh awkwardly above my head to try to get much like harry potter under the sheets practicing lumos yes oh wow that's the is it lumos or luminos i think it's lumos lumos Lumos. okay forgive that that'll all go into uh the tv adaptation i'm writing Oh, are you writing a TV? I've I've started some outlines, yeah. I love that. Because my whole thing is, uh, while I love some of the movies and everything, as a Harry Potter fan, I think they were done a disservice by starting before everything was known Mm. and knowing what to properly focus on and what not to. And I think there's also just the missed opportunity of a show would allow you the ability to explore the magic of being at Hogwarts and sort of the mundanity of that mundanity of that. I can't speak right now. And just what like being a student is and being at a magic school and how fun that is. And I, I want to explore that more. I want to explore that as well. I, yeah. I want to, um, my, you know, again, fanfic dream wise, I want there to be four novels, uh, just titled Slytherin, Ravenclaw, Gryffindor Ooh, like and Hufflepuff. Yeah. And I want them to be independent tellings of the founding of the school Ooh, um, okay. through the four Namesakes. I like that a lot. Uh, I think yeah. that would be fun, but they they would be sequential, but they would be overlapping stories of each of the four yeah, characters, yeah. and they come together to show how the school was founded and how Slytherin left. I really Ooh, think that would be. A, I really like that. I, yeah. I like the idea that those four people saw fit to work together and mm-hmm. then didn't. Yes, yeah. I want to know what happened. Yeah. Oh, now I kind of want to write that. Yeah, somewhere between let's build a magical castle to bring everyone together and teach magic. To I'm going to build a chamber of secrets and eat your children. <laughs> yeah, there was a shift. There's a slight discrepancy there. I would say I yeah. want to know yeah. what happened. Yeah, that's actually really fascinating. Wow. Um, and I want to know who those people are because yeah. uh, because we don't know much about them. And um, they become foundational to the mythology. Yeah, yeah. The Horcruxes. Who yeah. are the people that established all this? Yeah. Um, and I think it'd be fun. Oh yeah, um, I like that a lot. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'd enjoy that. I think uh, um, 
uh, trademark. No, I'm, I don't <laughs> oh, think this is all TM. TM it doesn't yeah. work that way. Fanfic TM. Yep. <laughs> also read my Kirk Spock fanfic. Uh, so we've already gone on a, on a nice tour down Tangent Mountain, Perfect. Uh, which I, I'm good with. As long as it's Harry Potter, I don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, we did a Harry Potter episode uh, with uh, with a couple other guests yeah. once as a Patreon exclusive, and it was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, we keep, I keep wanting to go back to it. Yeah. So Miranda and I are going to have our, our Lord of the Rings geek out one Ooh, day. Nice. Okay. Uh, we've never done that. I'm it's waiting exciting. for that as well. Yeah, it is exciting. Yeah. Anytime you get to do something, Miranda, it's fun. Oh, yeah. So, well, thank you all for being with us for uh, Harry Potter. Ca- no, um, I think we're, uh, so we're going to take that hard left turn. This is, um, th- we've had returning guests before, but without trivializing uh, the, the, the direction the content's going to take here, um, the story's going to take here. This is, you know, odd way, a, a, a sequel episode. <laughs> the <laughs> sad sequel of Jonathan Dor. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've, the first show, which I can't thank you enough for letting me be on and be able to talk to your audience for the warm, amazing, beautiful reception to everything I had to say. They're really nice people. Um, they're wonderful people and how kind they were about letting me express myself in a way that I really hadn't about a part of my life that I hadn't really talked about um, was beautiful and welcoming and showed me the power of what that can do for your, not just yourself, but for other people. Uh, and so in a weird way, I thought, why not continue down that road? Apologies in advance if I cry more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 you know, I, I don't want to, um, we normally start with, tell us about somebody you're thankful for. Sure. Now, we talk a lot on pockets about grounded positivity. Um, part of grounded positivity is the recognition that good things happen. Um, but also the good things do not negate the reality of terrible things yeah. happening. And so if we seem like we're, we're taking a negative bent today, it's not that we're just, we're presenting the context of, of what a person's life is, uh, for the good and the bad. And so you've had, I, I think it's fair to say a pretty terrible year. <laughs> yeah. I, we were saying this a little beforehand. I bet so many people have this year and sure it's, it's been a tough, interesting year for in a lot of ways. And for me, the weird thing about this year was it started off that way. Uh, from day one, I woke up on new year's morning, uh, and I saw, I was getting a phone call from my grandma and I was, uh, I was like, Oh, I know what this is. And I walked outside, uh, took the call and she was like, Hey honey, uh, just wanted to let you know a couple hours ago, your dad died. Um, and he had been sick since, uh, it's hard to say when he first was sick. We, my sisters and I always had a joke that he would outlive us all because he must've made some deal with the devil because his health was always terrible. He'd been a smoker for 50 years, a heavy drinker for decades. And yet he somehow was always, he'd go to a doctor occasionally and they'd be like, there's nothing wrong with you. We don't understand why mm-hmm. they're telling us these things, but it seems fine. Um, but yeah, everything eventually caught up to him in, uh, 2016 or so, mm-hmm. uh, late, late 2015. Uh, really when it started around the time that you came to do the first episode. Yeah. Uh, no, earlier than that, before yeah, I had moved out here. Okay. Before uh, you moved before out here. I, when I was still in New York. He, oh, so 2015. Yes. I 15. Okay, no, no sorry. problem at all. Um, yeah, things, uh, things had taken a turn. So I guess if you haven't seen my first episode, uh, that was about my mother and one of my best friends of my whole life who had passed away when I was 16, uh, kind of with her death, there was a slow descent for him. 
uh, that was very visible to me and a lot of people around us. When you say dissent, do you mean physically, emotionally? All around. Um, he was never good at taking care. My dad's whole thing was that he wanted to take care of the people around him as much as possible, but to the detriment of himself. Um, mm. And he, so he would work long hours to make sure there was enough money to feed us and everything, but he wouldn't feed himself properly and he would smoke and drink because at least that would fill him up and make him forget how hungry he was or how sad he was that he wasn't able to do the work that he wanted to be doing or things like that. Did he express um, that to you directly? No, not exactly. Um, but it was, it, it, it was hard not to notice mm -hmm. um, his taking the weight of the world on his shoulders and at the same time being frustrated by that weight. Um, and letting it eat away at him. And I, and I saw the decline, especially once my mother had died, that sort of opened the floodgates and my eyes to what the reality of his situation was and knowing, and essentially once she passed away, I had to become the adult mm. for us. Um, and especially once I left for college and then moved full time into New York and wasn't really coming home besides some holidays, that was when I think it really hit him that he didn't know what he was living for. Um, and it sort of just all got to him. Um, so before that provision... I think was that the was that the deciding factor in, in purpose for him? Uh, yeah, Be, he cared so deeply about the people around him and who he loved. Mm -hmm. um, but and that's something that I take with me of wanting to care for the people around me um, and to love people that wholeheartedly, but also to be self aware enough not to let it get to me. Now um, you, you made a comment about taking the weight of the world on his shoulders and yeah. watching that. Yeah. Any of that weight ever end up falling on you? Uh, I, I would say pro probably um, in ways that I may not even know. Uh, the funny thing is I, in many ways, what I did with my mother and boiling down all the pain and sadness I had felt in her death and how that affected me for years and didn't really talk about that until the show. Um, I think for years I really have boiled down the effects, both negative and positive, my father's influence has had on me. Um, and the way he led his life and the way that it negatively impacted me, I think I tried to boil that down and push it away and pretend it wasn't there, but I'm slowly starting to accept that it was. <laughs> yeah. So I was, how did, how did boiling that down work? Did that, um... You, you take it day by day and I, I do it because I did it because I knew that he loved me. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but it was also, it was a, I'm trying to find the right word. It was a not vampiric, but the relationship was that he needed me to survive. He fed off my existence to, in order to survive. And I needed to eventually push myself away from that. And that was one of the hardest things I did was I intentionally moved out as soon as I could in college and moved away full time because I need, I needed, I knew that if I didn't have that space and didn't have my own life, I would be shackled to that sadness that you would become a part of that. I would become a part of it and I would take it on in a way that I couldn't prevent. Hmm. Um, and in a weird way, it's it's it may be silly, cliche sounding, but like I'm thankful for that that awareness and that understanding from him of the the depths that a person can go to, but also the ability how I can push against that in myself hmm. and try to be better. Um, when did you become self aware of that reality? Ooh, um, specifically with him, sort of thing. Uh, the first time it was when my mom was sick uh, and he, he would go in and out of drinking a lot uh, and it was never abusive in any way, but he would drink a lot and it would affect essentially 
his ability to function and he would spend days in bed because he was so hungover and so out of it. Um, and there was one day I remember I was awake at a Sunday morning and I heard my mom and my dad shouting from downstairs in the garage with the door open and I heard a slap. It was my mom slapping my dad because it was Sunday morning and he was drinking and she was eight months into chemotherapy and needed support and he was unable to support her because he was drinking himself into a functional coma essentially um and that day he finally said to me hey like i have a problem and like this is a big issue i need you to help me and i need to be able to rely on you and come to you i was 15 16 at the time and he was i need you to be able to get me out of this and while my mom was standing in the room, and I remember my mom very crossly being like, you can also come to me, you know that. Like, you could have been coming to me for all this time. Because um, he didn't. He hid it. He tried to. He was not good at it. <laughs> I wow. learned very quickly. But uh, So he, why do you think he wouldn't go to your mother? He wasn't, sorry? Why do you think he wouldn't go to your mother? <sighs> Embarrassment. Um, it's, a, it's a weird, silly thing to say because these are two people who, who aren't here and can't necessarily defend themselves, yeah. but I, I think he loved her far more than she necessarily loved him, oh. one of those sorts of things. Um, and I think he never wanted to let her down, and even though he was letting her down and probably knew he was letting her down, to admit that to her is another step that I don't know if he could reckon with. So instead he placed a relationship slash burden in very clear terms on you. Yeah. And of course she, she died about maybe that was four or five months later. Um, and there was no other option. Um, and I can remember there was a couple, there was a hurricane, uh, hitting Long Island that year. And, uh, they were told our town to evacuate. They said, it might not be terrible, but you should like, we'd rather you be safe and we don't want to be liable for anyone dying. And so I was like, Hey, uh, my aunt and uncle, uh, are willing to let us stay with them for the weekend. Like, let's go out further out of Long Island where they'd be safe. And it was a day and a half long struggle of fighting with him of wanting to leave. And he, he couldn't bear the effort to do that um, and leave. And he was just willing to just stay there no matter the cost. And Because something in his mind because he had, wanted to be there? or I, I think it, to some extent he had given up. And a lot of that was when the signs of him giving up started to show for me. Um, and he, it, what did it matter if the storm came and took him sort of thing? So um, your mother died and then yeah. you began to watch your father die. Yeah. Yeah. It was a seven to eight year process, but yeah. Um, it's, that's what it very much felt like for that whole time. Uh, and especially the year and a half that once he got sick and then while I was out here for about eight, nine months of his illness, um, knowing the, uh, I left when he was in the hospital and had been di finally diagnosed with cancer and eventually later tuberculosis and a few other things. Uh, yeah. And that was a very difficult thing for me to do. I, to leave and I still, you know, feel guilty about that in a lot of ways. Yeah. I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, at sure. All. So tell me if I'm the wrong direction here. Yeah. Listening to what you said, you said you felt like your father used to, had a relationship with you where he had to draw from you yeah. largely to, to stay alive, to yeah. feel a sense of purpose. And then knowing that you actively chose to leave and then he did in fact die. 
do you feel responsible for that? I would say probably, I think I'd be lying if I said there wasn't a part of me that did, but I also know that there are many occasions where I said, let me help you. What can I do? How can I help? Where I would, I know that he had been out drinking for a long time and would come back and I could hear him coughing his lungs out because he had been smoking too the whole night in the other room and I'd have to go force feed him water to make sure that he had something, some sustenance in him that wasn't unhealthy. And that, that was night after night for weeks at times. And So you're a kid and then a young adult living with someone, living, having lost your best friend. Yeah. Watching her waste away from cancer, which is not a pretty way for someone to die. And then seeing this broken person that wants to die and trying to keep them alive. I, how, how are you here right now? <laughs> um, Harry Potter. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I honestly, it was, it is the weird thing for me is when my mom died, it was sort of the breaking of the dam of my family being held together. She, I didn't know how much of the glue to that family she was until she passed away. Okay. Um, and in a lot of ways, I feel like a, several of my family members kind of got into worse places, but him most of all, but oh, that was interesting. <laughs> uh, it was the people around me, the friends that I had made, the family I had made for myself. That was what got me through it. Um, and that, that's the weird thing for me is I don't, but there is a loyalty to family and to blood and to all of that that I, I do believe in and I understand why people value, but at the same time, the family that I've made has become more important to me over the years because it is the thing that has gotten me through the worst parts of my life. Um, when you say the family you've made. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> um, twofold. The family I made in college at the school newspaper uh, that I was editor at. Um, the friends that I made there that I'm still friendly with now and stayed friends with through the rest of college and lived with after college and hung out with every week after college because none of us wanted to leave the area. Um, that was, that was my family and to more of an extent than they know, uh, because I also tried to shield them from the crappiness of my family. There was one, one day, uh, 20, it was in 2015 earlier than all this happened. My dad fainted at work because he hadn't eaten in 48 hours, we found out. Uh, he had subsisted on coffee and water. <laughs> and he fainted at work and had to go to the hospital, and I spent the entire night in the hospital with him and making sure everything was okay because none of my other family could get there. Um, and so I spent the night there, and I came back home the next day. didn't see my roommates till the night after. I went to work that next morning. I remember emailing into work. I'm like, hey, it might be an hour late. My dad was in the hospital, uh, but I'll be there. And then I came home, and my friends were like, you were, were you ever here last night? Like, were you out partying? Were you on a date? What happened? I was like, oh no, I was at the hospital with my dad. And they're like, are you joking? Like they couldn't, it was such a just bizarre thing to have to be like, I hid this from you for like, by the way, I wasn't home because of this. And they're like, you can tell us that. And mm -hmm. that was sort of one of the moments where I was like, oh, you guys are my family. Like this is the people who care. They're like, no, we want you to tell us that. About that. You don't, yeah. you don't have to Wuthering Heights this from us. Yes. Yeah. yeah I don't have to, because that is the, of the learnings that I had had was to hide it away from people was by his example was to boil to keep it hidden down here. Um, and so that family became what got me through all of that. And when he started to get sick out there and just everything there, uh, and then 
the family I've made out here. <laughs> I can't ignore it. You know, it's only been a year and a half, but I would not have expected to have been so more warmly welcomed by everyone here. Um, and so accepted from day one for all my stupid jokes. And your jokes are stupid. They're pretty bad. I don't deny it. Um, that's why I love them. Uh, but that's why I love them. <laughs> but to just be around the, and that's why this is like a dumb thing for me. Like, that's why I love to be overly goofy and to do dumb things because if it puts a smile on anyone's face, who has got me through a thing like that's worth it. That's worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the family out here and the family back there. Who's, is, who's the family out here? Uh, it's, very expansive. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, it's kind of everyone who I started working with at IGN when I first got here. Because mm-hmm. um, I've wanted to work at IGN since I was in eighth grade. <laughs> um, I don't know if I ever told you the story about my guidance counselor and me with no. IGN. No, I've never heard this. Uh, it was around the time we were doing college applications. I'm like, do you know where you want to apply so you know what program you can do so you know for your job? And then they were like, do you have some sort of idea? Like, obviously, some people know instantly. Some people have no idea. Whatever's fine. I was like, oh, no, I have my plan. I'm going to graduate here. I'm going to graduate college, and I'm going to go work at IGN. And that was the plan for a decade. Uh, and took a little, an extra year, but I made it. Um, yeah, that's kind of amazing. It worked out. Um, yes, it did. Through a lot of persistence, but um, yeah. And, and ability. Hmm. Persistence and ability to get. I'll let you say that. I I disagree heavily. But oh yes, yeah, so <laughs> how terrible you are. I I do hire out interns to write everything under my name. Oh yeah. okay. It's hey, it's the way I of the world. Hadn't days. thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, there is no Jonathan. Um, <laughs> no, I only Sewell. <laughs> um, no, the family here was, and so I moved here, sat on seat. I'd never been to SF. I had spoken to everyone either over Skype for the interview or on the phone with Marty and Andrew a couple of times at IGN and uh, Marty Sleep and Andrew Goldfarb. Uh, and I came out for E3. It was the first time I met the team. And instantly, everyone, it was like I had been working here for months. Yeah. Instantly, I felt welcomed and received. And uh, people were like, what are you doing after the crazy day of E3? No, come have dinner with us. Uh, no, hang out with us more. Like everyone wanted to make me feel welcome. And I remember the first day people were like, or after the first day, everyone was coming up to me and like checking in on how I was doing and like, Hey, you're doing a great job. Like, it's crazy. This is your third day here that you're doing great. And it just instantly sort of solidified that for me that, okay, I do belong with these people. Um, and from there it just kind of continued. It's always felt that way. Um, I've still done the thing here where I don't open up to everyone because I don't want to be a burden of how this has impacted me. And that year, I mean, I moved out here knowing that my dad was ill and that he could pass away at any time, but I didn't really tell anyone, uh, much about that. Um, and it's the sort of thing where obviously it's, it's going to impact me more than anyone else, but it's the sort of thing of, I probably should have done that a little more. And I know that the people here, the thing is, I know the people here would be willing to be there for me and to help me and to just be family. And that that's sort of the thing where even though if I haven't reached out, I know that those people, like Marty and Andrew, like I've said, like you, like dozens of other people, would be there. And that good is my family. Yeah, very good people. They really are. Um, 
They got me a little. <laughs> Sorry. Um, At least I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah, there's there's tissues like right out of reach. I just want to go for over here. I, I can grab them if you need. No, I'll be fine. Um, sorry. But no, no. Um, what's family? Oh, um, I if if I was only believing in what my dad kind of showed to me family was it's the people that give you a reason to live. And I think that's definitely part of it. Um, but it's the people that lift you up that give you both a reason to live for things and you reciprocate that too. You give them meaning. Um, and I think, you know, we only have however much time we may all have here. And the best thing you can do is to be surrounded by people who love and support you and who you can do the same for. Um, and, yeah, for me, just family has always been that support system that you also work into. What, um, do you think you'll ever have kids? So growing up, I always assumed because I was raised, I went to Catholic school for 13 years, was raised in a religious town, like very modern, middle-class sort of suburban life. And just always assumed at some point I'd be married and have a couple kids, um, and I don't think that's off the table for me. Um, but I, I, not in the short term. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not the plan. Um, there's so much I want. The thing that my mom had taught me so much and a bit of what my dad did, they showed me is the negative and positive of it is I want to live, help live my life for other people and help make other people happy. Um, and I would love to do that f- for my own family, blood, flesh and blood, but I also want to do that for so many people around me and I don't want to stop giving them the focus they deserve to. Like I want to be able to be there for everyone and also to be there for myself. I think that's the thing that I've always left out of the equation demonstrably is to not factor myself into I'm caring for everyone else, but not myself as much as I should. Sounds familiar. It's, it's easy to lose track. (laughs) Um, but, and uh, I mean, my when, dad showed me. Yeah. What you're describing there sounds like the story you just told. Yeah. And that's given, that's why this year has both been just a weird year of trying to process it and also push it down, but also knowing, no, don't push it down. No, don't not tell the people around you. No, don't ignore the bad. Um, because then you end up like that. Um, and it, it's a weird cautionary tale to have seen firsthand. Um, that I think I will probably be processing in many ways. I'll occasionally just be walking to work and be like, oh, that's why that thing bothered me was so much was because of the way that he acted that one time and did that thing. And, oh, now I realize, oh, he was actually hung over that day. It wasn't because we couldn't go somewhere. It was that. It was, I'm still realizing things about my life <laughs> and probably will for a very long time. But um, I, go ahead, I feel like I have the mix of, both of their caring, but my mom's self-awareness not to let my dad's, the ferocity with which he loves and cares and wants to provide, uh, like I have the self-awareness to not let that ruin me um, because I can see it. I don't, my thing was, I don't think he could see that problem. Yeah. Um, I remember talking, one of the last conversations I had with him was him in the hospital and saying like, you know, like we wanted to help you dad. Like it, it, it had always seemed like 
your depression had stopped you from wanting to accept help. And he said, I'm not depressed. I never wanted to kill myself. And I was like, <sighs> I, it can be so much. I realized then like he, he was not aware enough of his own emotions had not been taught in any way to discuss or to look into those things beyond the idea of he had been taught depression means suicide. And that was that it was that, that clean cut to him. And he carried that for decades. Um, he's a, he was a much older father than most people from my generation. Um, and had a lot of older ways, I think stuck in his head that as much as all of us wanted to help and were willing and ready to, we just couldn't. So we started this with 2017. Yeah. And we're coming up on a year. Oh yeah. Your father's staff. Yeah. Um, it's weird. The holidays, I was uh, going to have a really fun night and then wake up every uh, new year's morning and be like, Oh yeah, that happened. Also that. Yeah. Right. Probably not gonna, probably not gonna forget that. No, one. but, uh, I was at a coworker's house that day um, that it happened and immediately was hugged by the family I have out here and was told, Hey, let's go see a movie. So things that give me happiness, like yeah, movies and TV and games have kept me going in ways I wouldn't expect. Um, But it was the people there who helped bring those things into my life too. Um, But for me, it's new year's will probably be, I'll spend it with my friends. Maybe I'll go see a movie. I think that's a good place to end on. Yeah. Thank you for this. Of course. Uh, thank, thank you. you. For, uh, your, your extraordinary transparency and willingness <laughs> to share with other people. These stories never fails to astound me. Um, it's very kind of you. <laughs> I, for me, it is the, I, I have learned to not boil it down and uh, sorry that it has to come all out on your show. Um, but, and I can't be thankful enough for you to give me the opportunity to talk to you about this. Um, so I think folks, uh, folks know you pretty well, but just in case if anybody wants to look at your work, Oh, sure. Uh, you can read my Harry Potter fiction. No. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm writing and occasionally on the vidges of IGN.com. Uh, that's where I am most of the time, or at J.M. Dornbush on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, usually talking about Kingdom Hearts or my uh, <sighs> my love of going to the gym because of Creed and Disney's Hercules. That's not untrue. Uh, I realize those are my two gym inspirations. Creed? The film Creed. Not the oh, band. The not the band. No, not, not the band Creed. Yeah. Not so much them. <laughs> Uh, oh. Yeah, it, that has also been one of the. I really wish it were the band. Uh, if only. Uh, you could take my, me higher. <laughs> my workout playlist can just be the band Creed while I watch the film Creed. Uh, but yeah, if you want to hear me talk about Creed more and Kingdom Hearts, that's where I am. <laughs> one of my favorite IGN memories is standing in a closet with James Duggan and both of us just spontaneously bursting into higher. <laughs> uh, it's a good day. Um. <laughs> Oh man, I wish I wish there was video evidence of that. That's amazing. Oh god. Well, anyway, um, yeah, that's that was a good day. Um, <laughs> thank you for sharing that. Now uh, we kind of ended on a, a somber note there, but um, uh, folks want to hear more of you. We're going to do some zanier things for Patreon exclusives and things like that. We'll Ooh, be recording those, exciting. and uh, also, I think people can look forward to you in an upcoming Pockets Full of Quarters, so that'll be fun. Sounds fantastic. Yay! I hope I'm there for it. I hope you are, too. <laughs> Thanks, John. Thank you, Jared. Thank you all for watching and listening. I'd like to especially thank our Patreon producer, Robert Nieder, whose generous support makes the show possible, and everyone who supports us on Patreon. Bye-bye.